0: I got a definition for you of what hope is. It's this, it's the assurance in the character of God and the promises of God. Hope is the assurance in the, char- in the character of God and the promises of God. Hope is confidence in who God is and what God does, even when it defies natural expectations or defies your previous experience with a circumstance or what's happened. Hebrews eleven one says this: Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You know, biblical hope as you study it throughout Scripture, and you see different themes or verses, or just the entire idea. It conveys optimism. It conveys trust and confidence and dependence and security. In Scripture, the word carries the meaning of assurance and thinking, or living, or worshiping without anxiety. It means an event will happen as God intends for his glory and for our good. Hence, we can declare that phrase, my hope is in the Lord. Hope is like an anchor of the ship. It keeps it unwavering and it keeps it steady in place even though there may be a current that's pulling everything else. Hebrews 6, it describes this inner working of what hope means, particularly as it related to God's covenant with Abraham. Listen to these words. It's lengthy, but I love the process it walks us through. So verse 13 starts off. It says, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham. This is hearkening back to Genesis 15. So it says, since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could, perfectly, uh, could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. All right, now the author shifts. He says, therefore, so because of this event that proves God is trustworthy and faithful on his promises, right? So leaning on that whole covenant, which was true from Abraham's descendants, he did have, you know, did have descendants. It says this, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal priest in the order of Melchizedek. That's a throwback to the Old Testament as well. That is biblical hope, friends. This is different than the word and the phrase "hope" that is used around us in movies, in conversations with friends, uh, in books, whatever it might be. Earthly hope is usually spoken like this: "Well, I hope it doesn't rain today." It's literally raining and misting outside. Or we treat it like the phrase, you know, "I wish this would happen," or "You know, maybe this will occur." We tend to use it in a way that conveys this like flip of a coin or a roll of the dice, sort of haphazard coincidence. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't happen. You just kind of say it like that. Earthly hope carries this undercurrent of doubt. If you ask a stranger, hey, will you go to heaven when you die? They say, I hope so, right? And there's that doubt that might be there. But with God and his plans, all things are in accordance with his purposes. There are no coincidences or luck or doubt or Bob Ross happy accidents, right? With Christians We say we hope God will do this or that, and when we say that, what we really mean is we have hope in God in this circumstance because he has proven himself faithful as the only one to rely upon. I'm gonna reread this. When we say we hope in God with this certain circumstance, maybe you're thinking of a circumstance, and if you're not, you're gonna, by the time we're done with all this, working through whatever you might be in, that you're relying fully on God to move. And when you say, I'm hoping in God with this thing, from salvation to a a moment you're in right now. When you say that, what you're saying is you have hope in God because he has proven himself faithful as the only one to rely upon. So we know for sure, without question, what has been promised to us by God in his word. So what are you hoping for the Lord? What are you hoping in? The Lord with whatever's going on. Is it like hoping for something within your marriage or within your life or with your children or your workplace or with school or just your dreams and aspirations or some sort of circumstance? You're saying, my hope is in the Lord with this and it is in nothing else. I am fully reliant and dependent and trusting God in this. Are you praying with a biblical hope? crying out to God based upon his evidenced track record that we see in scripture? Or are you treating God just kind of like a lottery machine where you're like, I'm gonna feed it a couple bucks, maybe I'll win, maybe I won't, and you're just kind of like, eh. Biblical hope is trusting and secure and confidence and assurance. I love the word assurance as 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 a synonym with that. God's people have always been a people of hope. Hope in the first arrival of the Savior, and now hope in the second arrival of the Savior. When the world can be screaming, the sky is falling, or head for the hills, God's people can stand confidently, and they can worship faithfully because they hope. And their hope is not in the fleeting promises of the world, but it is anchored in the person and the work of our God, preeminently evidenced in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. This emphasis of hope. That is a reality, it is not a feeling. And so for Christians, we hope, and we have hope, it is the assurance of the character of God and the promises of God. And so with that definition, we're gonna work through some Old Testament passages and some New Testament to see that lens, almost like as if you gotta put on a pair of glasses to reread hope, not as doubt or wishful thinking, but as confidence and assurance. Let's let's work through some passages. I want you to see how the authors would say, this is their circumstance and they are hopeful hoping in the Lord with that sort of grounding. So Psalm 39, seven, it says, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? Well, my hope is in you. Again, that could be saying, my confident assurance is in you, not the unsure footing of the world. In fact, it's almost like he's saying, if I cannot hope in you with this, then what else can I find hope in? It's, it's that uh, dramatic of a reliance and hope. Psalm 71, five says, for you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Again, the phrasing, if, if we were to rework it, you know, trying to, trying to de- dismantle like, the way we use the word hope, just in our normal way of thinking, but look at it with a biblical hope, it could be reworded, you are my complete and utter assurance, O Lord, and I can trust you because of your character and because of your promises. Or think of Job, he lost it all. In Job 13, 15, he says, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. There is a, there's an assurance, there's a, a confidence in who God is. Isaiah 41, 10, it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. That's another way of saying do not lose hope. Why? For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When I think of a biblical hope, I'm reminded of the story of Joshua. If you, if you know Joshua, he came after Moses and he led the, the people of Israel through the promised land. They conquered all sorts of people, groups, and nations to take hold of their land that God had promised to them. And he did not casually believe that God would accomplish what he promised, but he fully hoped and he fully trusted God. Joshua 1 gives us a few glimpses of how this would have played out. There's three verses that stand out. The first verse, verse three, says, every place, God is telling Joshua this, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. So why, why could Joshua trust God? Well, because he said, I will do this just as I promised and just as I've already shown you with taking you here with Moses. Well, verse five says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Again, he could have hope in God because of the track record that's already been shown to him. In verse nine, same chapter, right? Verses one, we had verses three, five, now verse nine. Be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, or again, do not lose hope, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And when that, that same phrasing is very similar to what Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended in the Great Commission. He said, I am with you. And so there is a, a sense of not losing hope and having deep hope because, in this case, God has promised and, and he said he will be with him. So Joshua has this hope in the Lord. He, lead, he leads the nation to victory. And they, they progress, right? It's as good as done because God was with them. So this is what it means to have hope in God. But we see this not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. All sorts of different phrases. Let me just read some of these for you. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. In this verse it says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, We want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope or no assurance. We grieve differently because there is a confidence in who God is. Again, backed up by his character and by his promises, not just um, a guessing game. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So in this case, our assured hope, it is living. It is not dead. Why can you have assurance? Well, again, it goes back to the resurrection of Christ in so many ways. In addition to all the other promises and character and stuff, the the pinnacle of it is is proving himself faithful and true. He is who he says he he is and he's done what he said he would do when he died on the cross and then he resurrected, right? It's not just some fable out there. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us this in verse eight. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Fantastic phrase, the hope of salvation. Again, this is a great way to see the contrast between the way uh, our friends might say hope because they're like, well, I hope I'm saved. I don't know. But for us, we say, no, no, that my, my hope of salvation, it is, it is built upon what scripture says is the means by which somebody is saved, by faith in Jesus Christ. With the belief of their life, not just religious action. Anybody can do a checklist, but that's not what God requires for salvation. So my, my, my faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus himself, Saying, believe in me, right? Like, that is the requirements. And so this idea of a hope in salvation, it is not what the phrase would be, castle in the air type thinking, but it is built upon the sure foundation of Christ's finished work on the cross. A great reflection of the phrase Christus Victor. I wanna read for you this quote. I love how this is described by this one author. He says, the victory... Of the Savior means that Christ takes away the law, kills my sin, destroys my death in his body, and in this way empties hell, judges the devil, crucifies him, and throws him down into hell. In other words, everything that once used to torment and oppress me, Christ has set aside. He has disarmed it and made it a public example of it triumphing over it uh, in himself. All this phrasing really brings to light. It, it adds, a, a almost going, going from black and white to uh, seeing it in color, that old hymn, right? My, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I mean, true hope, just anchored in who Christ is and what he's done for us. So this is the lens, this, this, this biblical perspective. This is what we take when we read about hope with the Advent story of, of Jesus Christ's birth. And Christmas. So today's theme is hope. What is that hope? Again, not a guessing game, not wishful thinking, but this anchoring, these these promises, and God's character displayed, and and displayed with consistency, and um, displayed even even uh, unnaturally from how we interact. God is so faithful when we are faithless, and He is He is present, and His love is steady, and it is secure. When when we give the affections of our heart to all sorts of things. And so we, we can hope in God in, in the fullest way. So this is the perspective we have when we think about Advent, not just holiday cheerfulness, because you know there's there's Santa with a with a, a beard or something, and you get a present. Like we just have the, we have this hope anchored in Jesus Christ. The readings of the Old Testament prophecies. With this lens, they kind of go from how our friends might read it, where it'd be like, well, I hope the Messiah shows up one day, to how we read it, like this, well, I have complete hope that the Messiah will arrive. And when he does, he will heal the sick. He will preach the truth. He will break chains. He will save mankind. He will crush the enemy's head. And so listen to some of these prophecies about the birth of Jesus Christ and about the early ministry of Jesus Christ with this lens of biblical hope. Isaiah sixty-one one says it like this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for their prisoners. They had assurance, right, in who the Messiah would be. Another verse for you is out of Micah five two. It says, the Lord says, Bethlehem, you might not be an important town in the nation of Judah, but out of you will come a ruler over Israel for me. His family line goes back to the early years of your nation. It goes all the way back to the days long ago. He's talking about Jesus. Luke 1 it says this in verse 68, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. And then lastly, we which we read regarding the Advent candle today, or it was, actually it was referenced when Eric was reading, that's it. Isaiah seven, in verse, uh, verse 14 says, therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So they trusted in the Messiah before they even saw him with their eyes. They trusted in what his purpose was before he grew up and actually started to heal people and preach the truth. They trusted him before he died on that cross and before he resurrected. Their hope, it was so dedicated that it was, Unwavering, and it was steady and it was fixed on who God was. And they knew it because, again, of God's character. Do we have that kind of trust in God's character? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I do, or at least I'm working in that and really trying to deepen that. Do I really trust God's promises? Yeah, I don't know, because when you really put my feet to the fire, it's a lot easier to trust what I can see or to trust my own abilities or to, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe even trust a stranger with something than trust what I cannot see sometimes. We just, we just live in sort of this, this, this challenge sometimes. If you think about it, our feet, they're planted in this world. And so our default way of thinking is often not with a biblical hope, but with an earthly hope. We are trained to lean on our own wisdom and our own experience rather than God's promises. And that repetition over time, I know this is true for myself, maybe it's just me, but I find myself really having to walk through like a mental flow chart of this is who God is, this is what he did for people in the Old Testament, this is what he did for the disciples and, and Paul and others in the New Testament, this is what he did in church history, you know, 1,000 years ago, 500 years ago, 100 years ago. okay. He can do it today. Like, I, I gotta work myself through that often, far more than, embarrassingly, how much I do because my, my, my mind and my, my thoughts and my feet are just planted in this culture that screams an earthly hope, not a biblical one. Our own physical stamina and our mental resilience over time, it kind of trains us to just trust ourselves, have hope in ourselves rather than Christ In Christmas season, it tends to evoke another level of like discontentment and despair for some of us for for different reasons. And so again, we just lose our hope in Christ this moment of Advent because we're just stuck in the things around us that which we can touch and see or remember. That's why phrases like 2 Corinthians 4, we don't have it on the screen, but it says, do not lose hope. I mean, Paul is pleading with the church in Corinth. Do not lose hope. Do not be dismayed. He goes on to say, Our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so it's a spiritual discipline for us to fight for hoping well. And it's a challenge because it can be tiring to hope well. I mean, day after day, finding hope in the promises of God and the character of God, even though you could. We could sit and you could tell me some stories of how God has really proven himself to you from your salvation story or other moments. Uh, Some which you were praying for, some which you didn't even um, really bring to the table, but God just blessed you with. And you're like, look at God. God is just, he's proven who he is. I can tell you. Story after story. In the last two years, we've had in our church family two house fires. And from God's protection with you guys uh, at the farm and God's protection with a family three weeks ago, that alone are, are, are these, these stories of God's presence. So you can say, why do I hope in the Lord? Well, like, I can tell you why. So anyway, we work ourselves through this, but it's a spiritual discipline. Because living and thinking with a biblical hope, it can be taxing, it requires patience, it requires endurance. Romans eight twenty five literally says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Hope requires trust in what we cannot see. That's why another verse like 1 Thessalonians 1, 13, it calls this a steadfastness of hope. When um, Paul is uh, He's like, uh, commending the church he's writing to. He's just like, you have a steadfastness of hope. How about you? Do you, do you have steadfastness of hope? I mean, I'm working through this right now and I just like, I, I think so. But I might get like a C minus if I'm honest. Do we have steadfastness of hope? And so in light of what scripture says about hope uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in light of how, how it relates to Advent for us, we can find ourselves celebrating how God faithfully moved, how he was present, how he worked, and our hope can be in him. So, so listen to something. For some of us, our families, they are trusting and they have hope in the Lord that their family or, or that you as an individual, will—you will trust you have hope that God will comfort you through loss that you are experiencing, particularly with the holiday season right now all sorts of stuff being worked up and you are you are having hope that lo- that the Lord will do what he's promised to do and that is to comfort you for others of us our family or as an individual you are having hope in the Lord that he will provide for you in your time of need you're saying God this is this is the business you you are in these are the moments that you show up and so my hope is is in you, like going back to those phrases in Psalms, my hope is in you. For some of us, we have families that are in the midst of a lot of attack and you have hope in God that he will protect you, saying this is what you have done from like what we just studied, uh, what, a couple months ago, looking at the stories in Daniel, the guys getting chucked in the, uh, in the giant furnace from like that kind of a story or others, saying God, you are a protector, so my hope is in you to protect in the midst of this attack. For others of us, we're, we're our family is in a situation where you need God to heal, like you or a family member, and it's just very present. It's a, it's a part of your daily prayers. And God, I need your healing hand here. And you're going back to saying, God, this is what you do. This is your character. These are your promises. My hope is in you to heal. And if, and if you do not, then then, that's, then then that's all I got. Right? And that is biblical, good, holy hope that we have as Christ's followers. And so how do we live with this kind of hope? Well, I want to I to challenge you to daily fill your mind with God's promises. Reminding yourself of, of what his character actually is. So that way when you are in the midst of the situation, and frankly, I think for a lot of us it's a daily thing in different reasons, different moments, um, some, you might be thinking, but usually it's unexpected. Well, get the gas tank filled, right? Like in your heart of just the Bible verses and scripture and truth of God's promises and his character. So that way, when the moment happens, you're saying, my hope is anchored in the Lord. And for some reason, you just got nothing, then open the Bible. I do this, I, I, I do this surprise. You'd be surprised how often I'm thinking, I really wish I had a more robust quiet time, or one at all today, because I didn't expect what happened by dinner. So I'm just working through passages. Sometimes I kinda know where I'm going, other times I'm just opening it up and saying, I just gotta read, I just read several different Psalms or something to say, I need to be reminded of God's character and his promises in this moment, because I wanna fight to hope in the Lord and not hope in the things, like. That my friends and others would be screaming to me to find hope in. So we want to daily fill our mind with who God is. And then we want to appropriate those promises in our lives. Think of this, Romans fifteen four. Kind of a, an abstract verse, but it, it explains this. It says, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Literally, we are, I'm gonna reread this. I, like, in, in case, it, I, I had to read it a few times myself to say, like, is that, what, is that saying what I think it's saying? And it does. It says, whatever was written in the former days. So, so what is written in the Old Testament, and then in our case, we can even apply this to just the canon of Scripture, the New Testament. So whatever's written in the, in the Bible, it was written that through endurance and through the encouragement of the, of the Scriptures, we might have hope. We literally can find ourselves deepening in our hope by saturating our minds with scripture and allowing ourselves to say, and, and not just reading it for head information like it's a magic trick, but saying that now that I've read it, this is the truth, I'm going to embrace it. And I'm gonna hope in this. And that sort of second dynamic, that appropriation, that takes place just personally but for the Lord, but also it takes place here as a church family. And we're gonna do this right now. So Maddie, if you and the team would come up here to lead us in this song, um, we were talking through this before. Let's let's do the... the the hymn that you guys did not practice. We're gonna try it, right? You, you didn't, you didn't, yeah, so, you know, give some grace for how that sounds. It'll be good. Really yeah, I know. Well, I just, I don't know. He's like, I found the song. We're like, great, you found the song. Let's do it. So let us not only just read about all these passages, but let's appropriate it in that When we come together as a church family and we sing worship, we go to battle and there's an element of us to declare the truths of God, the promises of God and allow ourselves to be strengthened. And so maybe you're sitting here, we're working through all this idea of hope. Maybe this last week was like the worst week for you or whatever is going on. We can take our anxiety, we can take our struggles, we can take the uncertainty, the chaos, the depression, whatever it might be, whatever it is like, fully hoping in the Lord. It, for me, it actually it feels very similar to as if I just jumped out of a plane and I'm saying the, the hope is the parachute. Like God, if you do not put one on me, I'm going to hit the ground. Like I need you to come through in this moment. For me, that's 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 the seriousness of hope in some of these circumstances that I'm personally in. And so as, as you're thinking through what it looks like to have hope in the Lord. Right now, we're going to we're going to sing this hymn. What I want us to do is to take not only all this scripture, but then also take our circumstance and say we're taking it to the cross, right? So my, my what's the phrasing? My hope is found and in, in built on nothing less than in Jesus' blood and righteousness. Yeah, taking it right to the cross, right to what Christ has done for us. And we're saying we're gonna not trust in and find hope in all the ways that we're prone to in our flesh and that the culture is screaming to us to find hope in. We're gonna find it in Christ and so so would you stand with me? We're going to sing this hymn and we're going to we're going to just w- take it to the Lord